You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our reading this evening is from the letter of Paul to the Colossians chapter 1, and the verses 1 through 23. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among your among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epiphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that is being proclaimed to you, to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. For our text this evening, we turn a little further in Paul's letter to the Colossians to chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we gather here this evening on the threshold of a new year. One year is passing And a new year is coming. One more year of our Lord 
2013 has passed and we enter into 2014. It's a time for us of sober reflection, the passing of a new year, a time when we're aware of the times, a time of reflecting back and looking forward. Unfortunately, this evening will be neither sober nor reflective for many, but we are not children of the night. We are children of the day. We belong to the day, the day of salvation, the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. But yet, the night is not over, is it? It's true of this night. That day is not yet here. It's true of the night of this world. We still live in the night, even though the day has dawned. What was 2013 like for you? The passing of a year is a time of sober reflection. It can be a time of mournful reflection. Perhaps the words of Psalm 102 spoke to the state of your mind, especially the beginning of that psalm. Someone has called aging, the aging process, a a succession of losses. That is, as you go through life, especially perhaps once you get to a certain age, everything after that is just loss. You, You lose one thing after another, whether that's loved ones around you, whether that's abilities within your own body. So the passing of a year and considering the losses of another year can be a time of mournful reflection. At the same time, sober reflection, even on the difficulties of life, can make us realize, can it, the good things in life. So as the Lord leads us through those difficult trials and difficult times, that he makes us realize and appreciate the good things that we have. We recognize and appreciate the the foundational things that we have over against the things that pass away. And so as we walk through these various experiences of life, times of, of sadness and times of joy, as we walk through different seasons of life, what do we do with them? What do we do with the experiences of, of a year gone by? What do we do as we look forward and hope? What should we think? Should we be eager? Should we be fearful? Where do we go as we look back on thank, with thankfulness? How do we deal with those sorrows and concerns that we still carry with us? Those sorrows and concerns that the passing of a new year is not going to change anything about. What do we do with those experiences? We bring them to God. We pray. As we have our text before us, the words of the Apostle Paul in Colossians 4 verse 2. This will be our theme this evening. This year and always... Be devoted to prayer. Be devoted to prayer. In all things, at all times, come before the Lord in prayer 
And we'll consider two things. Pray like it matters. Pray like it matters and pray with your eyes wide open. Especially little kids are probably going to want to pay attention in that second point. Pray with your eyes wide open. Be devoted to prayer. Pray like it matters. We must pray like it matters, of course, because prayer does matter. Prayer does matter. We we know that. We recognize that. But yet, do we always live with that appreciation? I'd ask you to consider now whether you, and I'm asking myself too, and I've asked myself in preparing this, do I And do you always believe that it's true, that prayer actually matters, that it counts, that it's worth something? Do you believe that prayer matters or has cynicism crept in and choked out your life of prayer? You see, cynicism is that that pessimistic, that downward negative attitude of distrust. Attitude that thinks that it's it's seen this before and this is the same old song again, passing of another year, nothing's new. And it doesn't matter anyways. Cynicism is, is expressed in those words. It doesn't matter anyways. A cynic is critical of what's going on around them. And so they stay distant and aloof. They stay back from, from what's happening but not so far away that they can't still criticize what's happening around them. Paul Miller, in his book, A A Praying Life, writes, if you add an overlay of prayer to a cynical or even weary heart, it feels phony. For the cynic, life is already phony. You feel as if you're just contributing to the mess. Is this the way that we feel about prayer? In our text in Colossians 4, 2, the Apostle Paul commands, puts in an imperative, the Christians at Colossae to devote themselves to prayer. Why? Because prayer matters. Prayer matters. And why does prayer matter? In the first place, prayer matters because of Jesus Christ. Prayer matters because of Jesus Christ in this whole letter. And and I hope that you heard it as we read through chapter 1 in Colossians. This whole letter, in this whole letter, Paul is very much focused on, keyed into the supreme greatness of Jesus Christ in all things. Jesus Christ is, as Paul writes in chapter 1, the firstborn, the, the preeminent one, the highest and most important one over, not among, Over all creation. He is the source of life. He is the source of all things. He's before all things. And he's the meaning of all things in this world. In him all things hold together. In him all things have meaning. He's the center of all that's been made. Jesus Christ. And not only is he the center of all that's been made, he is the center of all that's being remade in this world. Of all that's being remade. Paul says in 1 verse 21, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, 
Where does that come from? That comes from the fall into sin. Christ is preeminent over creation, but creation has fallen because of the sin of man. But God is remaking all things through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ is the head of the church, the center of God's recreating work in this world. God is restoring all things through the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. And he's doing it in and through the church. Christ is the head of the church. Because of Jesus Christ, there is meaning and purpose and hope in this world. Because of Jesus Christ, there is meaning and purpose and hope in this world. Jesus Christ is the end of cynicism. And therefore, prayer matters. Because prayer is how we communicate with the God who is reconciling all things through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, we have access to God's throne, to the throne of him who is restoring all things in this world, including us, the church. And prayer is communication with this God. Now, not communication like like business communication. We don't communicate with God in a way that, that you would at the office, you know, fire off a memo, I need this done. Someone needs to look after this. Could you please give me this? Or form letters, something that we just send without any thought to some kind of impersonal higher power or some, someone who can chip in or help out. No, prayer is, is communication, but but with the emphasis on the first part, the communing. Prayer is communing. Communing with God. Prayer is, is experiencing and, and growing in relationship with God. Covenant relationship with God. God has made peace. He's brought us to himself. He's reconciled us to himself so that we have this relationship with him, that the God of the cosmos through Jesus Christ, prayer is com- communing with him. Sharing fellowship. Enjoying. Bringing before God our needs and our concerns and our thanksgivings and learning to abide in him in love and trust. That's what prayer is. The elders have been in the last few months and will be continuing in the next few months in the home visit that they're doing, reading and reflecting on Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, we read about a Christian community that was devoted to prayer was devoted to prayer. They were devoted to sharing fellowship with each other, and not only with each other, but with God. Communing with God. Through prayer, they regularly came together to commune with Jesus Christ, the Lord who had ascended from their midst. He had walked among them. He had been among them to go to the right hand of God, the Father in heaven, to the throne that is above all thrones, to the seat of glory and power and authority 
where he can accomplish all things and where he is accomplishing all, all things in this world. The church would come together and they would commune with him through prayer. The Lord Jesus, before he was about to leave his disciples, Matthew communicates this in 28 verse 19. He, he, Jesus promised his disciples and he said, and surely I am with you to the end of the age. Jesus is with us. Jesus is near us. And in prayer, we experience that promise in a particular and special way. Of course, we always experience that promise through the work of the Holy Spirit and through the word of God, but also through prayer. So prayer matters. Prayer matters because Jesus Christ matters and he's seated at the right hand of God in glory. But there's even more to this as well. Prayer matters because Jesus is at the right hand of God, but he is, he is not inactive there. He isn't just sitting there to receive our prayers. No, God is reconciling all things in this world to himself, making peace through the blood of Jesus Christ. God is at work in this world. God has a mission. God has a purpose. And in saving us, he has both accomplished his purpose in us And he has enlisted us into that same purpose, that same mission with him. To do the work that he is doing. In salvation, there are two things that become very clear to us. In in recognizing that, that God has rescued us, saved us, there's two things that are are very clear. One is that we are very weak. Salvation is by grace alone. By grace alone. We are very weak. We can do nothing on our own. And two is that we have a lot of work to do. When your eyes are open to the spiritual realities of this world, you realize that there is much darkness, sorrow, emptiness, and sinfulness for the light of the gospel still to penetrate. When you're in darkness, you don't know the difference. But when you've seen the light, then you know that there is still much for in this world for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to accomplish. We are weak. There's lots to do. And therefore, we pray. Therefore, we pray. We we see this in, in the prayers, especially of the Apostle Paul. In almost all his letters, he records his prayers. We read his prayers about the Colossians at the beginning of this letter. And in his prayers, Paul is focused on that work that God is doing in this world, isn't he? He's not so much concerned with himself or his priorities or his plans because his priorities and plans are God's priorities and plans. He wants to be focused on what God is focused on. He's focused on the work that God is doing in this world, particularly in and through his people. So in our weakness, as as Paul sees weakness in himself and in the church, he asks God to give strength. And for the church's task, Paul asks God to help them live worthy lives and to do that for which God has called them heavenward. Prayer mattered for Paul. That much is, is very, 
very clear. When he writes about these prayers, he always writes about the excessiveness of his prayers. Verse 9, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Prayer mattered for Paul because Paul was a servant of Jesus Christ, the preeminent one over all creation. Prayer mattered for Paul because although Paul had once been God's enemy, God had shown him grace. God had rescued him from darkness. God had caused the scales to fall from Paul's eyes so that he could see both his own weakness and the great task before him. God had shown his grace, forgiven his sins, and sent him into the world to be a herald of the gospel. By the grace of God, Paul was not a cynic. He was a servant of Jesus Christ. And therefore, everything in life mattered to Paul. Everything in life, through the work of the Holy Spirit in him, mattered to him because Christ is the one who gives meaning and purpose to everything. Do you know that as we sit here and as we mark the turning of another year, that Christ is preeminent and that he is at the right hand of God, the father in heaven. Do you know that God through him is carrying out his work of reconciliation in this world? Do you know that? Then be devoted to prayer. Does prayer matter for you? Think about this past year. It's a good time to reflect and think, has prayer mattered to me in this last year? For for some of you, this last year has been a difficult year, and, and for others, maybe it's flown by. Maybe Maybe for some of you at this time, you're very conscious of reasons for for thanks and praise. It's been a different kind of year, certainly for all of us. But in all these seasons of life, has prayer mattered? Did it matter to you that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God and that through Christ God is reconciling all things in this world? In this year to come, let's devote ourselves to prayer. Prayer of all kinds and and prayer in all circumstances. That's what it means to be devoted to prayer. To always be praying. And to be praying many different Things, prayers, petitions, thanksgivings, requests. Don't be afraid to say to your friend, if your friends talk to you about maybe a difficulty that they're going through, hey, can we pray about that? Can we pray about that? Make prayer a part of your friendships, a part of your relationships, a part of the fellowship that we experience together as a congregation. Don't forget that promise that you made to to pray for someone in need. Be devoted to prayer. The sense of devotion is, in fact, that. Persevere in prayer. Paul says persevere in prayer. And that word perseverance reminds us that it's not always easy. 
You don't have to persevere in the easy things. You have to persevere in the things that are difficult. Prayer is not always easy because because of our lives, because of our circumstances, because of our schedules, because of our weaknesses, because of our distractions. Prayer is not always easy. But brothers and sisters, prayer always matters. Prayer always matters. There are so many needs. There are so many petitions. There are so many thanksgivings to bring before the throne of God. And for all those things, we know the one who sits enthroned on high, who knows those concerns of ours, and who is working in the midst of all those concerns, and who is bringing peace. So pray like it matters. And secondly, pray with your eyes wide open. Pray with your eyes wide open. Now, you don't actually have to keep your eyes wide open as you pray. Although, to be honest, I often find it easier to concentrate with my eyes open in prayer. You can pray with your eyes closed. You can pray with your eyes open. We're not talking about that as such. We're talking about having your eyes wide open in the figurative sense. Having your eyes wide open to the realities in this world. Knowing what's going on out there. What you're up against. Who's on your side every day. Keeping your the eyes of your heart, as Paul might say, wide open. Keep your eyes wide open to the realities of life in this world. And that will teach you to pray. To pray in the first case, watchfully. Be watchful, Paul says in your life of devoted prayer. Be watchful. It means be careful. Be on your guard. You know, you know the expression, sleep with one eye open. Well, that's the sense in which we're talking about praying with both eyes open. Pray with both eyes open to the realities of the, that are in this world. And one reality that is in this world for which we have to be watchful is the presence of evil, the presence of sin, the presence of Satan. Peter writes in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, be self-controlled and alert. It's the same word, be watchful. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Yes, Jesus Christ is Lord and there's no doubt about that, but Satan is still powerful. And he and the forces of evil still lurk in the shadows of this world. They hide in the darkness of this passing night. They hide in the shadows of our own fears and failures. They hide in the darkness of sin and evil. And they look to harm and hinder and harass the church at every turn. You just think of one example this evening. Just think of the example of our brothers and sisters throughout the world who face persecution because of their faith. Satan is prowling around this world like a roaring lion. And there are so many, because of their confession of Christ, who whose lives are at stake, who, whose lives are in danger. They know the face of evil because they see it every day. God gives us prayer to seek his own face and his own blessing as we and those we love face the difficult realities of this world. 
As we face the evil that is out there, the evil that creeps in here. There are difficult realities in this world, and it doesn't help to ignore them. Being naive is no solution. You can't just close your eyes, shut your ears, and and imagine that that there's no harm that's going to come to you. Or that there's, that there's, there's no danger out there. The power of positive thinking is not going to overpower Satan. But there is one who has overpowered Satan. And he is near. And through prayer, we can commune with him for daily grace in the trench warfare of life. And so we have to be watchful because of the, the dark, sinful, realities of this world there's also another reality that calls for watchfulness on our part and it's what the lord jesus christ was speaking about when he said in mark 13 therefore keep watch be watchful because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn we need to pray with both eyes open to the reality of Christ's return when he will come to judge the living and the dead. And that's a day that we look forward to in great hope, isn't it? But it's also a day that we look forward to soberly and, and that sheds light on how we live here and now. We need to keep watch over our lives. That's the warning that comes consistently throughout Scripture. When speaking about the return of Jesus Christ, we have to keep watch over our lives and keep watch over the priorities of our lives. Do they reflect the ways of the great judge of all the earth? Do your plans for for 2014, as you've, you've perhaps thought about this coming year, Do your plans for this year, do they measure up to the ways of the great judge of all the earth? He who is at the right hand of God, who will return. Are your New Year's resolutions built on the foundation of Christ? Built on the foundation of grace? Or are they built on straw and grass? Only to be burnt up on the last day. There are resolutions which are good and godly. There are also resolutions which are not worth the paper they might be written on. And never mind your plans for 2014. What are your plans for tonight? What are your plans for tonight? This is, this is a night that is not characterized by soberness in our world. I know for even myself at a time of my life, New Year's Eve was not a time in which I was looking forward in hope to the return of Jesus Christ. As you head into this new year, pray with both eyes open. Both eyes open to the reality of this passing darkness and the the, the threats that are still there for us, but also the reality of the coming day of Jesus Christ. So be watchful, but also be thankful. Be thankful. Praying with our eyes wide open means not just having our eyes fixed on the difficult and troubling things of life. Not at all. Not at all. Most of all, we have to have our eyes wide open on him who is preeminent over this world. Him who is our head as the church, Jesus Christ. We have to have our eyes fixed on him. 
And the blessings that are ours through him, both in this life and in the life to come. When we pray with our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, then we will pray with hearts full of thankfulness. Thankfulness. If you open your eyes to what you have, and when you reflect on this past year, don't you have a lot to be thankful for? How hasn't the Lord provided for each one of us each day of this past year? He's given us so much, his daily grace, like like manna from heaven to sustain us and keep us with each passing day. We are here now tonight because God has strengthened and sustained us through this past year for yet another year. Praise be to him. And even though we have so much in this world and in this life to be thankful for, the things of this life do not compare with the treasure that is ours in heaven. There we have our eternal inheritance. In heaven, at the right hand of God, in Jesus Christ, it's kept safe from all the threats that are here below. So that nothing can ultimately harm us. That inheritance that we have is eternal life with God. It's, it's perfect communion with him. It's a blessedness in which to live with and love and praise God forever. And that is eternally secure with Christ in heaven. It's kept safe at the right hand of God. It's kept safe by Jesus Christ because he has won our eternal security and he has brought us peace. We haven't brought peace to ourselves. We haven't accomplished this through our own efforts, our own merits, through how good or bad 2013 was for us. It hasn't won eternal security for us. Our eternal security is kept safe by him who has accomplished it for us, Jesus Christ. He has brought us peace with God through his death on the cross. Your life, Paul says in Colossians 3, verse 3, is hidden with Christ and God. It's kept safe like a treasure. It's secure. And so you don't need to fear. Thankful prayer is one antidote to fear. When we look forward to a new year, there's much we can fear. There's the things we know about and there's the things we don't know about. But we can pray with confidence and assurance that, as one explainer put it, our resources in Christ are more than equal to the potential challenges of another year. Considering the realities that we face in this broken world, brothers and sisters, there's a lot that we could fear, isn't there? There's a lot that, that we are concerned about, and those concerns could, could come in and, and come, grow into fears in our hearts, perhaps especially of the anxious variety. And those those fears, they have a way of spurring us into action, don't they? If you don't feel safe in your home, you're going to do something about that. You're going to lock the door. You're going to get a security system. Fears spur us into action. Those insecurities, those anxieties, they make us search the Internet for all kinds of solutions and, and fixes for what we're experiencing, the problems that we have. Our fears make us build fortresses of all kinds that make us feel safe and secure. Those threats out there, they have a way of spurring us into action. Well, brothers and sisters, as we stand on the dawn of a new year, not knowing what is coming, may we be spurred on 
to thankful prayer. Thankful prayer. Praying to God, yes, in the face of those concerns, but also taking stock of, of what we have safe and secure in Jesus Christ. That will lead you to thankfulness. Take stock on this New Year's Eve of how God has blessed you. Take stock of the eternal riches that are yours in Jesus Christ. And you will be filled with reasons to thank God. Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, is in heaven. Whether he will return in this coming year, we do not know. But we look forward in hope. Jesus Christ is supreme in this world. Jesus Christ is supreme for the church. And therefore, in this year and always, let us devote ourselves to prayer. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.